we're on Christmas break, but one thing that does not stop over the holidays is books being published because they are out there for you to buy. So, as you know, we are doing a special book episode. And on a typical Her Story on the Rocks, it would be Katie and I sitting here talking about famous women from history, drinking cocktails. But today, we're talking to a woman who is making history by self-publishing her own book we have a very special guest here with us marjorie bain welcome to the show hello thank you for having me so ready marjorie has her ba in creative writing her master's in library science she's a librarian by day and writer by night professional aunt and most importantly this podcast's very own sister yay that's me (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself I mean, you did a pretty good job. I, I mean, know, it's probably wonderful, the best intro I've ever given. Gorgeous, intelligent, amazing, mm-hmm. really great sister. You know, all words that um, can be used to describe me. Um, yeah, so I'm a librarian and I'm a writer. And um, I've been on the, the podcast before. Frequent listeners might know. I was on a season one episode where I got very drunk and very upset about the Scarlet Letter. The drunkest. And it was beautiful. I think you fell asleep at the table. I did. Mm. Let's not go back and listen to that. Um, and I feel like people know a lot about me, if, again, if they're frequent listeners, because I am mentioned a lot. So I always think of myself as like a, a celebrity of the podcast. Yeah. You're like there's a-, a lot about my life that ends up on there. You're a little bit of an Easter egg for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. It's like when we say sister or when we say Marjorie, because fun fact, Katie and I together have probably around 12 sister-in-laws, but there's only actually one true sister and that's you. Yes. It's pretty lucky. So let's dive in. There is a cocktail for this book. It's already been posted on Instagram, but we're going to post it again. The book that Marjorie just self-published is called Object Impermanence. And the beautiful cover art, which Marjorie commissioned, has this mason jar with like this multi-level colors. So we tried to replicate that with the drink. And we used gin and, of course, show favorite blue carousel (laughs) and dumped grenadine down the middle. I was worried it was going to look too... America, like patriotic, <laughs> but I think we did okay. No, it looked good. It looked really good. Yeah, it looks like the cover. We didn't have as much like green or purple, but I was scared if we added too many colors, it would turn brown. brown. Yeah. <laughs> jinx, sisters. Jinx. Sisters. Oh, man. All right. So I need to talk about this book because I've read some of the stories before. First mm-hmm. of all, this is a book of short stories, and I read some of them just anew. So before we dive into everything in the book, can you? set the scene obviously it's a set of short stories but what is the vibe that you're going for because you've written way more short stories than are just what's in here correct so obviously when I put together the collection I really wanted it to be connected a a, a genre thematically to be you know a series of stories that really made sense together so I did not put everything in there that I've written because I write in other genres than what's in this um the subtitle of Object Impermanence is Weird and Fantastic Stories, so uh, that helps maybe explain it. The biggest way I have been explaining it is their Twilight Zone E. It's an uh, adjective I created. Um, you know, sometimes they're a little fantasy, sometimes they're a little sci-fi, all a little creepy. 
kind of based in real life with that just like one weird thing that's going on that's not quite like real life it, it it's in a way that like the way that twilight zone like kind of trips your brain out like right at the end or mm -hmm. like somewhere in the middle where you're like oh there's something i'm not quite catching on to yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. exactly i mean some people might call it slipstream or magical realism or weird fiction all kind of in that vein and because it's an anthology twilight zone just seems like a really good uh analogy for it i have never heard the term slipstream before what does that mean i only like partially know what that means oh <laughs> so. that is perfectly fine give us a partial um, answer i know what nothing means and i run this show um so because i when i was you know looking up for the information to like market this and what categories to put it under and stuff i looked up all these different genres um under sort of sci-fi and fantasy and speculative fiction and slipstream it's thing it's stories that sort of kind of are in between literary and like sci-fi so it's between two genres of literature yes in this fantastical area yes interesting so the word anthology is one i was only used to diving into in like public high school yes like an anthology is all those short stories that you read in your english textbook mm -hmm. there's a funner thing for that I hated when the teacher was like, get out the anthology. Well, see, anthology is a collection of multiple author stories, and a collection is one author's stories. Okay. I didn't know that. No, nah, that's why it's an anthology. <laughs> it has Emily Dickinson and, you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne in one book. Ugh. I know. I picked, I picked, like, the two worst. <laughs> I like Emily Dickinson. Yeah. She's okay. Yeah. She's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot going on in that attic. We interviewed that author of that book, that Emily Dickinson book. Mm -hmm. She invited us up to Boston, wherever Emily Dickinson's from. I'm not sure. Okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit about one or two of the characters in your story that like jump out at you as like either it was difficult for character development or like you're really proud of that character specifically and i know some of them don't have names even because it's like a quick in and out mm -hmm. but so what are some characters that you're really into yeah um it's interesting cause, uh, some of these stories i think are more plot focused so you don't get to know the characters as well and some are more character focused um i'm thinking of the story creek monsters and it's in first person, so we don't even really get the main character's name. But she really channels middle school girl angst and insecurities in a way I think is a little too real that I had to like stop reading it out loud at one point this week when you were like, read one of the stories out loud. I'm reading it. And I was like, I can't because it's just a little too real channeling a middle school girl. So I think... Uh, that one might be uh, appealing to people who want to get some catharsis <laughs> out of their childhood. Um, I'm thinking of the character also Ariana from th your favorite story, I know, of the anthology, um, Through the Glass Darkly. Is that the mermaid one? That's the mermaid one. Okay. Her name is Ariana. It was before, I wrote it before Ariana Grande got really big. I, I picked that name because it was like someone's name on a mailbox when I worked at the student mail center at, uh, at random story at my college so that name just stuck in my head i'm like i'm using it for a story um she is sort of a you might call a kept woman uh she's marrying rich and i think she's marrying up she's marrying up 
I was trying to articulate in this exaggerated way because she's marrying like a billionaire tycoon person how society sort of puts women in a situation where it's more viable, more safe, more realistic to be in a certain type of, to be married or to be in a heterosexual relationship than do what they want or be single. So it was sort of, um, I think, an exaggeration or exaggerated version of that that I was trying to explore with that very kind of specific dynamic. Yeah, that story is very like the um, the pedestal you put me on is a cage type story. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love that one because I relate to that one so very deeply. Like I am much more connected to that story than I feel connected to the Creek Monster story. So if you're getting this book, the Creek Monster story is later on in the book, and it is two middle school girls, like, sitting on a pier at a creek, um, and there's a lot of insecurity and, like, a lot of jealousy going on yeah. and, like, a lot of just body shame and, like, just what you would think of as the insecurities of a middle school girl. And then you get this, like, older one, the mermaid one. What's it called again? Through the Glass Darkly. Through the Glass Darkly. And she's hot. She's hot, but it's like she got out of that middle school angst, but is also very insecure about what the hell's happening in her life. So yeah. there is this like link continuing. It's like she got out of her awkward middle school mm. years, but is still not comfortable. Maybe it's an interconnected universe. Oh, maybe it's an interconnected <laughs> maybe universe. Maybe it is. New new theory just dropped. It's me. I'm the theorist. It's me. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think those are two very deep and interesting characters. Are there any stories? So, okay. Some of these stories have been published in magazines. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been published in journals. Some of them have won awards. Are there any that you were like, this is my best one? Like, if you had to pick a best story. Okay. Yes, I have an answer for this. What is it? What is it? Well, there are two I'm particularly proud of. Okay. The one that I generally would say this is my best is the Pawn Shop of Intangible Things, which is a one that could get some funny titles when Allie's drunk. Yes. <laughs> the Thrift Shop of Inevitabilities, I believe <laughs> the, it was the called. The Thrift Shop of Inevitabilities, <laughs> yes. Which is the sequel coming soon, right? <laughs> um, that one... It's definitely my most successful. It's placed in a contest, uh, second place. Um, I've had it published and re and, and also um, reprint published and at at venues that paid a good deal of money. So it's also made me the most money out of anything I've written thus far. Um, and I'm I'm proud of it because. Not only do I think it's a good story, it's because I also kind of made a bold creative choice and then stood by it. And I feel like that taught me like a lesson in my writerly life. Um, it what is, is this choice? This choice is the story is written in second person, which is when sort of I or he or she did this. It's you. Like you did this. Like that's the narrative voice, which a lot of it's very polarizing. Readers don't like it. Um, there's literary magazines that literally have it on the do not submit list. Do not submit if it's in second person. Oh, really? I like it because I feel like I can drop myself in. Yes. I think when it's done well, it's like that. And I wrote it in a very intentional way to make the, in this case, the lead character very kind of blank that you could drop in Yeah, they're them. a non-gendered person. Non-gendered. There's no gender. Um, 
And I made that choice and I doubted it, but then I stuck with it and it ended up being successful because I chose that for that very deliberate tone. Um, I think it's maybe one of the most Twilight Zone-y of the book. Uh, I, yeah, I would agree. with It's the one I think that has the biggest like uh, end twist, perhaps. I don't know if that's true, actually. Yeah. But it's one that because it's early on in the book, you get shocked. You and get then the you kind of realize as we go on that, oh, this is going to happen over yeah. and over again. And I need to like set my brain up for it just like I would for a season of. Twilight Zone or the new Black Mirror mm -hmm. or what's the other one? Robots Love and Gangsters or whatever. <laughs> whatever that was it like Robots Love and Sex? I love lo all of those three series <laughs> is like what this book is. Yeah, I would say then my second favorite or the one I'm second most proud of is Another Life, which it's hard to talk about because there is a twist that I want to give away. But is that the first one or the last one? It's neither of those. Damn. Another life is the one about the woman who wakes up from a 20-year, 23-year coma. Oh, yeah. That's the long one, yes? That's the longest one. That one's hard because you've got the three asterisks that switches back and forth from scene to scene. Yes. It okay. has scene breaks. You're correct. <laughs> I just try to give the listeners an idea of what they're getting into. This is the long one, but it really, it's the longest one, but the longest one is like 4,000 words, which really isn't that long. Yeah, but, but the compared one's the to the one. other ones. And that one, I, I remember writing it and I remember feeling that like I leveled up as a writer. Like, okay. you know, when I did that and I completed it, like I think I reached a new level of storytelling. It's been quite a few years since I wrote that, but um, I just, I, I see it as like a sort of landmark in my development. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was very, without giving anything away about it, it's very Stepford-y. A bit. In my brain. Not, like, yeah, not exactly. Like a bit. I like, think yeah, no I could see that. There, but that's how it felt when I was yeah. reading it. Um, so if those are the ones like you're best with or you're most proud of, what's the one that was the most difficult to write or the one that you changed the most? Because when we'll get into this, this has been a multi-year process. Right. Um, so Allie actually sent me these questions ahead of time, which I think she does for all the people she some, interviews. Some, the ones I like. Some. Oh, some of the ones she likes. <laughs> when, um, when I'm on I my mean, game, then yeah. I mean, I got them in a Facebook message and looked at them at lunch at work. And I, some of them I had to think deeply about. Um, and I think the one that was the most challenging in a way was Creek Monsters, which okay. we mentioned earlier. Um, but it was like, it was weird because it was challenging until it wasn't. Mm. Um, cause sometimes what happens when I'm writing short stories or anything is like, you have the idea. I find ideas easy. People are always like, how do writers come up with ideas? Ideas are easy. It's how to make the idea into something that's actually a good story is the hard part. And that's tangible for someone. Like, that's what I think. Like, when I have a good story, I feel like I could reach out and touch it. Right, right. And I kind of think of it as how, like, you know when, like, there's over, like, reporters on TV, like, fictional reporters, they're like, I got a story. And the editor of the newspaper is like, what's the angle? I'm like, <laughs> I feel like it's like finding the angle to the story. Okay. Because I wrote Creek Monsters a couple years ago in a first draft and tweaked it. And every so often I would come back because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't quite there. And I would try to write another draft and it wouldn't work and I'd give up. I'd try to write another draft. And only actually when I got to editing this book did I did have a breakthrough and rewrote this new draft that I think finally got deeper into the heart of what I wanted it to be as a story. So, yeah, that was a several-year process 
that just I couldn't quite get past like that first draft into the heart of the story for a long time. Hmm. And for everyone who knows us, when they read this, it does take place at our grandmother's house. It none takes, of the, none it, of the not, events are real. Technically, <laughs> yes, it, it takes does. place yes, at a house <laughs> that is very inspired by my grandmother's house. Sure it does. And it is not a confession. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell you the end, but it's not it's a confession. It's not a confession. It didn't happen. But it actually took place at our grandmother's house. I incorporated a real life setting I knew from my life to add vivid details. My 11 year old was like, I know exactly where this is <laughs> as she's reading it. Perfect. It's not a confession. Not a confession. Um, all right. So when somebody says short story or like a, a an anthology or a book of short stories, a collection, I think a lot of people, what they like to do is pick up a book and dive into the characters and like once you know the characters it's a little bit easier to read Mm -hmm. so what what is it about the length of short stories and why is it important to read a book of short stories like how long or short can they be Okay. And why is that? So- Those are two separate questions. Yeah. Okay. Throw well, me a bone. Here. All right. All right. <laughs> Definition time. Like, well, a short story is a story that is short. Um, mm. If we're going to use one that's like one page. I know. I have one that's like a paragraph. Okay. Listen. Paragraph. Listen. If you get into word counts, which are really kind of more prescribed by the publishing industry, but that is life. Everything is made up. Um a short story stops becoming a short story around 10,000 words. That's kind of when it becomes a novella. Um, none of mine are nearly that long in here, but short story can be everything down to a sentence. Um, there are some, what I consider subcategories of short stories called flash fiction and microfiction. Flash fiction is generally under a thousand words. Several of these stories in here are flash fiction. Microfiction um sometimes kind of is very very small stuff it can be less than 100 words it can be the length of a tweet it is a kind of genre it's called like twitter fic mm. um very short very very short stories are considered microfiction um but this is writing in prose it's not poetry it's not poetry right it's a story with very few words got it now i don't have any true microfiction here though i have some rather short one page, less than a page things in here. Page and a half. Robot um, Bride is like a page and a and robot two sentences. Yeah. Um, so that's the length. That's when you talk about the numbers. Why should you read a book of short stories? Well, one, because there's this amazing one this self-published author just put out right here. It's called Object Impermanence, and it's amazing, and it'll creep you out. And two, it fits in stockings. It fits. It is. Yeah, it can roll. It's thin. It rolls. It's paperback. You got it. It's It's wonderful. cheap enough that you can give it for one of the days of Hanukkah. Yeah. New Year's, New Year's gifts aren't a thing, but why not? Start it Why up. Not? You know, you make a, a a New Year's resolution to read more books. It's a really great number one because it's, it's short. It's fast. Get that number one on your Goodreads reading challenge done, out of the way, feel accomplished. Right. Small victories. Perfect. Goal setting. Little steps. Yeah. Baby steps. Um, but why read short stories? It's very interesting, actually, because short stories used to be a lot more popular in pop culture than they are now. Okay. Like, in the 1920s, like, like F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald, you have an episode on her, mm-hmm. um, made bank on short stories, hmm. right? The Great, were, were the Great Gatsby, the Great Gatsby was a flop. 
Okay. Well, I mean, he had other novels that were popular, but right. short stories, they would publish them in like real magazines, like Harper's Bazaar and the New York Times and newspapers and magazines, Ladies Home Journal, all those places actually publish short stories. Remember, there's not the same entertainment we have nowadays. Right. It's true, true, true. Um, so having those short stories in those magazines all the time on a regular basis, it it made the circulation numbers go up. You get paid thousands and thousands of dollars hmm. for these short stories. It used to be considered even sort of a higher form of literature than novels at okay. one point in time, um, which is interesting, maybe women's history topic, because then women were really the people who were writing novels, which are considered kind of the lower form and trashy compared to the high form of short stories um, at one point in time. But it does obviously switch, and now people are more into novels than short stories. I think because of the reasons you say, they want to get into the characters. Um, But I think if people haven't read short stories since high school or college literature class, it might be a time to re-explore, considering our attention spans are shrinking and considering maybe just our time is shrinking short stories especially things like flash fiction and shorter short stories you know they can fit in at your lunch break you know at that little pocket of time you have between I don't know dropping your kids off piano lessons and then got to sit in the car while they take them and I don't know life life happens and short stories are a way to engage with literature when you don't have um, as much time, maybe to invest in novels. Um, and it, short stories we read all the time on social media. They're just do. written by our friends that aren't great authors. Yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> more, yes, right, exactly. So, I mean, it's definitely something worth exploring. And, and um, I think mine are good. And I think there's a lot of other authors out there and you probably will find like if you like neil gaiman or you know whoever else there's famous authors who book out books of short stories as well as other authors you might not know and they come in every genre sci-fi literary romance erotica Mm. even too yes um all of the genres children's adult have short story collections so it's just worth finding it find whatever genre you like reading you can find short stories um and they're just a whole different way, a different way to engage with literature than with novels. It, I mean, it really is because I like I have never been like I told you, like anthologies. It was like, OK, high school's done now. I don't have to yeah. do it anymore. But it is very interesting because you can sit down and read a couple pages before bedtime and you don't you don't have to. St- it's one episode of a short TV show and yeah, then you're done. Exactly. It has that appeal of binge watching yeah. instead of watching a movie. Yeah. As well as That's I exactly think, right. Instead of a movie, you are just watching a show. I think novels maybe explore the idea or the plot or the characters more deeply, but I think a good short story and similarly a good poem, you'll like read it and then it just like slays you for like the next 72 hours oh you you're think just, about yeah. it forever <laughs> you're, like, you're like i want more I mean, do you want more they leave you wanting more they don't wear out their welcome and sometimes really good ones just pack a lot of punch with a little bit of words and so you're just like shocked you know you're just like <laughs> dealing with the aftershock yeah of course um okay so when we talk about a book like this mm-hmm. how do you decide on order because order has got to be important because you want like I don't know if it's like a rising falling action or if there's some sort of ring theory where you're trying to fold it together 
Yeah. Da, da, da. I was like, I was very <laughs> impressed with ring theory. I was like, yeah, go on. And then you didn't have a third thing. And I, I was know. like, okay. Those are the two things Whoa. they have. Rising, falling action, and ring, ring theory. theory. <laughs> that's what it's I like know. the hero's journey. It's a complete cycle. Okay. Uh, that's um, what I know about literature. I didn't major in it like some people. I didn't major in literature. I majored I in creative writing. Creative writing. I said that in the intro. I, I know, know you. I know some things about you. <laughs> you, you know a lot about me. It's all bad. We live together. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oh, to the bartender. Me, box wine. Yeah. Um, okay. What order short stories? Orders and short stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the short the order is important. There's different ways to do it. I read up on different ways to do it. I moved the stories around a lot. I had what I thought when I first picked out what stories I wanted to include. I put, I, I looked at the titles, I put them in an order, and I was like, that's the order. And then, you know, I start editing and putting this, rereading them and editing them. And I'm like, that doesn't work. That doesn't flow right. You know, they got reordered a lot. And really, there's a lot of different theories. There are, like, like you said, like sort of, you can do it as a ring theory, or it's like tent poles. You should put your best story first, middle, and last, or, um, you do a like they called it more like a figure eight where you kind of start with the theme one way and then you change it and then you come back and like going from dark to light so you, there's gradients there's a lot of different ways you can do it I don't think there's one way it's sort of what you're trying to communicate um I considered length because I do have some like you mentioned like very very short ones and some longer ones I considered how well they they sort of flowed next to each other um i didn't want you know a bunch of long ones and then all those short ones i kind of wanted to vary the length as well as some of the themes and plots so sometimes i intentionally separated things and sometimes i intentionally put things closer together mm-hmm. um i think the one big piece of advice i took from everything i read was they said start with a bright story don't start with a downer so i actually changed out what my first story was what was it gonna be it was gonna be the lunch cart diner special oh which is a strong story but it's a little bit of a downer oh it's a downer so it's a stomach turner i definitely put one of the the more fun slash funny stories as the opener um and i think that helps because i had a hard time placing that between some of the more serious stories that story the opening story is so sweet it i've read it twice i read it once when it was posted on social media i think a couple years ago mm-hmm. and then when the book came out i cried both times <laughs> bullets of tears like so it's yeah. very sweet and light and cute so yeah i think i think really the most important story is figuring out what's going to go first because that's mm-hmm. you're inviting the audience and you're sort of representing so you can't really put the odd one out mm-hmm. in the front it's like i gotta represent what this is about but also, let's save the depression for a little later. And yeah. And then ending. Ending, I picked something I thought was a good ending story. But also, I'm like, some people might not read this far. So if they don't get here, that's okay. Yeah. I know that's like a negative way to approach it. But I think it's a practical way to approach it. It's like, if everyone doesn't finish, what story will I least likely be sad that they didn't read? That's interesting. Because when I... So I finished the book in my bed. Uh, after I had the physical copy of it. Mm-hmm. And it was very easy to close the book and go to sleep. Like well, after that story. That's very I thought, and I, I thought it was a good send off story. That's the, actually one I didn't change 
where it would go the whole time. That's the always one the that was always the end because I was like, this is a story that's an ending. And honestly, it almost is also another kind of upbeat one. Not as funny as the opening one, yeah. but is another one that's kind of like a sweet perspective it is sweet Uh, it's a little darker but it is a nice send-off for sure Mm -hmm. it was very easy to put the book down and be like okay i'm done now right yeah i don't feel like i'm going to my brain is gonna like (laughs) i'm not gonna have nightmares after (laughs) this one exactly which like physically having nightmares after the mermaid story because you're a psycho (laughs) why are you like this (laughs) we grew up in the same home (laughs) oh man okay Uh. Are there stories that you were really going to put in this book that you were then like, you pulled? Yes. Okay. There are two to different extents. There was one that I had in here. Initially, my first idea, this was all going to be flash fiction. Mm. Um, And then I ended up putting some of my longer stories in there because I was like, this is, this is going to be real short. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And so because of that, I had this trio of microfiction stories that were about zombies. Mm-hmm. And each one was like 100 um, words exactly long. Because I'd published it in this anthology that was like zombie stories that are exactly 100 words. Oh. And I had three of them. Um, and I was like, it just doesn't fit because they're very typical kind of zombie apocalypse type of stories. Which it's cool that I wrote them in 100 words, but... I feel like it didn't add to the richness of the thing, the book as a whole, once I added the other stories. So I took that them out. That is so mature. <laughs> I, I would never be that mature. I'd be like, read everything I wrote, you asshole. And there was another story that never technically made it in, in that it never quite made it into the actual draft file where I was putting all the stories together, but right? it was considered. Um and it was one called Don't Lie to Me, and it did not make it because I started rereading it, and I was like, this is so badly written. I cringe. So it wasn't ready. Too much. It it's wasn't ready. Re- I mean, it was published, mm. but it's not ready, and now it doesn't even exist online anymore. And then also, there's some similarities to another story where I was like, it's not strong enough, and it has a similar quirk that I don't want to use. Mm. I also wanted to say, I forgot to say this after the last question, when you were talking about ordering, the one that's about the hotel, we can explain the hotel in a second and the the day and whatnot. But then the one that's right after that, that's only a paragraph, I had to flip back and forth a couple times and be like, is that a part of that story? Is it a separate story? I think it was ordered perfectly because I just like flowed right into this little paragraph. And I was like, wait, okay, I'm being fooled. Where's the hoodwink? It was nice. It's another interconnected universe. Exactly. No, it's not. (laughs) interconnected universes. Okay. So the one short story about the hotel is published in another book. So tell Mm -hmm. us about that book because that's pretty cool. That book is an anthology. (laughs) An anthology. Uh, anthology. It was actually a really cool um, project because to backtrack a little bit for people who don't know a lot about where short stories are published when they're not in like a collection of one author initially when you write short stories you submit them to literary magazines literary journals anthologies which are all just slightly different names for basically the same thing (laughs) um some of them are 
purely online nowadays. Some of them have a print publication. But basically, you submit them, and they go to an editor, and the editors um, decide what they want to include, and you do this little editorial process, and then they get they come out, and sometimes you get paid, sometimes, and sometimes <laughs> you get author copies, sometimes, and... Um, so basically that's, that's, there's a whole world of literary magazines, um, out there that you might not know about, um, because short stories aren't published in regular magazines anymore. They have to be published somewhere. Um, so backtrack, usually you just write your stories and then you submit to literary magazines that sort of match the genre, the theme, the word count. Maybe they have a certain topic they want for a certain issue, but usually it's the author writes it and then you find a place to put it. Um, this particular anthology was called um, Five Minutes at Hotel Storm Cove. And in this situation, the editor had come up with this sort of elaborate backstory to this hotel, um, a history of it. Um, you know, it's a hotel um, on Earth, and it, she had the backstory of the land even before the hotel was built, and then going into the future, what it would be like. And the prompt was, you know, you have to set a story somewhere on the hotel grounds somewhere in the history um, or the future, the history timeline. Um, and it has to be a story. They're all short, like flash fiction. Um, and it has to be uh, something that happens within five minutes. So following those parameters, that's how I came up with a story called Barter for the Stars um, that is set at Hotel Storm Cove in the future. Super Han Solo situation. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's very different from how I've written you, my usual short stories. I actually had drafts before that of that uh, something like that story, and okay. I couldn't quite get it to work. And then that prompt came up, and I was like, I know what I'm going to put at Hotel Storm Cove. It's going to be the story that I couldn't find an angle for, and I wrote it for that. Um, and actually, it's a very it's a very cool anthology to just because it's so themed. But every author has a different way, a different timeline. Haunt there's hauntings, there's sci-fi, there's sentimental, there's people in that work at the hotel, there's people that's staying in haunted rooms. Um, but mine is a little character piece set in the future in the hotel's bar. Um, so that's how the story of that one came about. Yeah, I thought I just thought that was the coolest ideal when that when you were publishing that book a couple of years ago. I was like, this is amazing. It was really cool. I I think there should be more things like that because that was it, fun. It was such a cool concept that also left a lot of freedom for the writers mm -hmm. as well as having something very cohesive. Yeah, calling all writers. Yeah. Loved it. Um, and the other one that follows it, I'm guessing you're talking about planning advice for your last days on Earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I think they went well together because they're both more explicitly sci-fi in that sort of space oh. future alien type of way. Yes. Um, yes. It's that Doctor so Who vibe. So they definitely went together when I had more like fantasy mystical creature stuff in other ones. Mm. Um I also read in ordering short stories, one of the pieces of advice is, is if you have an odd story out, stick it somewhere in the middle. So that was sort of what I went with those. I was like, these ones are sort of odd ones out, so I'm going to stick it somewhere in the middle. I will say, though, it, it wasn't jarring. Like, the, mm -hmm. it's not jarring to go from one to the other because the idea is, like, if you're reading it, at, for example, like you said, waiting in the carpool line, you put it down mm -hmm. it, when that story's over and then you pick it up again and you don't know mm -hmm. what's next. It's not, yeah. it doesn't always have to necessarily flow. I 
read them all together like a psycho sister. So for me, I was like, why is this next? And I loved it. (laughs) Okay. So you've been writing these stories for the span. I mean, you know, you've gotten your bachelor's, you've gotten your master's, you've been writing um, fan fiction all through high school and some of middle school. Like you've been writing for a very long time. So how like has your mindset to some of these stories and like how has your relationship changed to these stories in that time period because obviously like you're not only trying to find the angle on this book but like also the angle on your life mm. did you hear that question it was wonderful <laughs> play Good. it back everybody what a call back oh angle my god on your life um so yeah so yeah i've been writing since eighth grade mm-hmm. started with fan fiction um got my bachelor's degree in creative writing it's one of those you know useless millennial degrees that i have actually no regrets about um hashtag no regrets hashtag no regrets <laughs> gotta slow it down to make it seem like a serious podcast <laughs> i can't <laughs> i can't even <laughs> I'm right. here on another episode of Making a Murderer. Mm. Mm. I don't have a radio voice. I'm annoying. It's fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, I graduated with that degree, graduated into the re- re- still healing recession of the <laughs> early 2000s, uh, not early 2000s, late 2000s. Yeah. Marjorie's a mid-millennial. Yeah. Um, 2012. I graduated in 2012. That's early 2010s mixing up my graduation dates um and actually really struggled with writing for a few years i really couldn't figure out what i wanted to do i didn't understand my i didn't have my voice i didn't have what i wanted to say um my degree was very focused on literary fiction and if people are not familiar with that term that's like the serious fiction that's like the award-winning fiction that's like atonement like it's it's not genre it's not sci-fi it's not fantasy it's not romance it's the serious artistic literature it's catholic church style yeah i hear you but there's usually more sex and violence in literary fiction though so same. not <laughs> i mean that's true you got you got, you got me there um, and so it took me a while to really in my 20s post-college 20s to figure out how to write again Uh um and then i kind of at some point a few years after rededicated myself and interestingly the first thing i had published in a larry magazine and that time period is in here it is the last story the what you make of us the one you thought was a good send-off um it's a great send-off and i kind of i guess there was like oh let me just write my quirky magical realism slipstream stuff and i feel like i like operating in the metaphor of this is sci-fi or fantasy but that's just used to explore a deeper theme Hmm. um and as i discovered myself i feel like this is a leading question because of a previous conversation we had i don't even know what you're talking about Um, am i leading the witness you can plead the fifth all you want i'll talk about it i feel like everyone knows everyone already knows again if you are a regular listener you know more about me 
than you, most people. Than most people, <laughs> than my parents, than my coworker. We're all gonna listen to this. Oh my no. god. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we are drinking. Reminder. I mean, just a little bit of wine, just a little bit, just a little, just an um, alley pour. <laughs> You guys don't know how much wine that is. Maybe they do, but it's a lot. It's a full goblet. You know, when full. someone has a wine glass, just imagine like a centimeter down from the top. It's full. Listen, I have had some full-blown doctor professors on here slipping up because they're drinking with me. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful journey. I wasn't slipping up. I was no, speaking the truth right you there. Know, you're, speak the, pre, talk okay. the truth. Talk the All truth. Right. I'm sorry. So, Go ahead. A couple of the stories, if you read them. Uh, like I spoke about the through the glass darkly earlier, kind of examine, let's say compulsory heterosexuality. Mm. They're about women in kind of toxic or uh, toxic relationships with men, marriages or, or romantic relationships, where it feels like they're just sort of forced to be there by circumstances, by society and not an actual desire to be there. Wrote a lot of these in my mid, mid to late 20s when I was going through it because I really I you felt pressure. Like, I felt pressure and I didn't know it. Like it was like a subconscious pressure coming out. Like I didn't deliberately write these themes. These themes came out because I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to date men. I hate how society makes me feel like I have to. I feel like how it's structured. I feel like I'm never going to be able to live financially independently i feel like i'm never gonna be happy because this is the 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 uh, finish line for happiness well turns out i'm as again listeners will know because it's been mentioned i'm asexual asexual and aromantic i don't want to be in a relationship with anybody i did not know that in my mid-20s i was going through a prolonged sexuality crisis um was sort of just like railing at the cages of this through fiction not even knowing at that point in time so most of those stories through the glass darkly another life um maybe the first version of 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 trying to remember the title of it because i remember the old version (laughs) title of the first version of um die beautiful Mm. like uh, several things i feel like some other maybe some other stories had those themes and i didn't even consciously I mean, I knew they had those themes, but I didn't know the, the source of them. So that was part of the journey. I feel like some of the, I think the strongest, some of the strongest stories emotionally are the ones where it's like, I'm just channeling my rage at society or my angst at society or my sadness or my, or my middle school angst uh, in them. So was it easier, obviously knowing yourself now in your early thirties and looking back and being like, I'm going to compile this. And it's easy for me to understand the journey and to edit these. Yeah, I found... You think so? Because I felt like when I was reading it, I just totally didn't let you answer that question. I'm the worst interviewer. (laughs) Don't tell Barbara Walters. I felt really. I don't know. Have you seen some of those Barbara Walters? I'm sorry. This is off topic, but I need to talk to you about it. She is. She is rude. She's cutthroat. She is... She is insensitive. I saw her cut down Fidel Castro on a rack. I don't know. I just on seen her rack, say some Marjorie. pretty nasty things to like Britney Spears and Dolly Parton. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's chill. True. She did Girl. that. She is from the era. I will say she is from the era of feminism when 
women of a certain way were not seen as respectable feminists. Yeah. Which would be the Britney Spears and Dolly Partons. And that's not a fair assumption <laughs> because if you are not inclusive, then fuck your feminism. Okay. Okay. Now that that's been said. Yeah, I felt like reading it, I was, because I I was a bystander, I, I would hope to say a participant, while you were finding this personal way, mm-hmm. like, in your life. So, reading it, I got to see, like, these deep emotional thoughts, and I thought it was beautiful. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if readers who don't know you would get the same thing, but I do think they would understand those themes. I, I would hope that the themes come across, um... And if not in the same words and not necessarily coming from the same motivation, I think those deep themes are still there. And I think they're the undercurrent that gives heart to some of those stories. And it's not just it's not just a twist. It's not just something creepy. It's saying something in the undercurrent, in the subtext. Right. Yeah. They were very like a lot of the stories were agendered. A lot of the stories were you could put yourself in a position of multiple different characters Mm -hmm. where they were bucking against like the pressures of society, Mm -hmm. regardless of what universe they're set in. And it was quite lovely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I didn't find them hard to edit other than when I was like, Oh, I thought that was a good sentence back then. Like Mm -hmm. anything I felt hard was only cringe because the only cringe I felt was at the writing quality. It was never at the story. Um, or what the story was trying to say. Right. Because you've aged up, you've leveled up as a writer. Yeah, at this leveled point. up. Yeah, you leveled up. So, okay. People sit down, they read the book, they finish. What do you want them to walk away with? What is like the, this is what I want you to feel when you're done? Or even just, you can pick one story if that is um, easier. When they're done reading the book, they should say, wow, I should give this person five stars on Goodreads. <laughs> Oh my Some, god! Can you rate and review me. <laughs> rate and review. Listen, all short stories are well. A lot of short stories are budding writers, so help them out. Yes. Nothing is more important than a rate and review. Yes, yes. Completely free way to support authors. Rate and review. Uh, I mean, any any small entrepreneur, free way to support um, them. I mean, if I have any story as the book as a whole, or any story lingers in someone's mind or lingers in their like their feelings or they think about it the next day the next week the next year maybe it's like a story that they they always sort of remember reading for years to come then I'm satisfied yeah um because the older I'm a vicarious 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 no that's not the right word I read a lot um, ferocious ferocious there it is vicarious a lot. <laughs> ferocious reader yeah. um and so i read a lot but as the older i get the more and more stuff i don't remember well in what i read oh yeah and so agree you know i look back at like my good year good reads year in review not good year that's a car tire my good reads year in review and i'm like Oh, I don't really remember much about that book. So if it's like you remember something, even if it's just a feeling, a line, a scene, mm. an image. A little sparklet. Yeah. A sparklet. Um, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. To be, I think most authors want that. It's like, if you, if I affect you at all with what I say, with what I wrote, mind blown. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I think that's part. I mean, it, and I think that's, uh, it's very interesting to me that the, I think the mermaid story relates to me 
so much because of that, right? It's like marrying up. You're in this society. You don't quite understand. You feel a little bit off put by it. Like there's a lot in that that does make me feel suffocated. Mm -hmm. And that's why I continually like that story resonates in my brain because I often feel like that Mm -hmm. woman. Like I feel very suffocated in the place that I am. And it's weird, but it's also helpful. Like, I think that sto- stories like that, even though they're sci-fi, make you reflect on yourself. Yes. Also, producer's not an abusive person. <laughs> <laughs> if you read this story. She read- says marry up. Like, you guys are com- completely same, like, working class family <laughs> background. We're, we're, we are Baltimore blue collar. I just, in my head, I'm a reacher and he's a faller. It's, Every relationship has a return and a faller. It's fine. I'm not upset about it. I can be the reacher. But both relationships, every relationship, you should say that you're the reacher. So it's like a nice little thing. Okay. Did you wake up one day Mm -hmm. and just be like, I'm going to do it? Because you self-published. So what is like, you were just like, I mean, you cut the cord this year. You were like, forget it. I'm doing it. And it came together in like a month. Well, it was longer than that. Okay, now, let's pretend a month. It did, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I had flirted with the idea for many years. I'd go off, I have to make a collection, and I'd, like, make a list of the stories. I'm like, I need to write more short stories first so I can have more, and I'd not do it. And, and yeah, this year, I actually read something online about publishing short books, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I actually... We'll probably get to this later when we talk about other places you can find me online. I wrote a little article on my um, Medium column about that. Uh, I called it Issuing a Publishing Challenge to Myself. And that was in July, I believe. Um, That's month seven. We're only on month 12. You, like, killed it. Yeah. So, yeah, I did not wake up at the beginning of the new year with the idea, but I decided to commit to it. And that point in time, I kind of... Yeah, that point I was like, I'm doing it. I put it online. Like they, what they say about gold setting is you got to tell someone else, and then you you feel like compelled to follow through. Um, and really, at that point on, it was just the steps. It was like again, I everything, putting it together, rereading the stories, editing the stories, ordering the stories, coming up with the title, coming up with a book blurb, commissioning a cover artists, getting it edited again. Editing was so much of it. It was so much editing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think you could find all the typos and you just find more. And you're like, how? Um, Even Peg Bain was involved. Yes. This is our mother. She's a serious situation. Yeah. So, and then it really just came together. And near the end, it just like was so fast. I was like, oh, it's ready. Like, you know, it felt like it took a while. And then it was like, oh, it's here. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it really was just because the stories were written. And pretty much, you know, in a polished state for most of them, it really was just uh, uh, pulling the trigger and doing all the steps that right. led up to it. Of course. Okay, so you obviously based Creek Monsters on our grandmother's literal fucking home. So what? <laughs> do I have to cut all these cuss words? Are you embarrassed about I'm that? Not. I love swearing. Okay, Fuck absolutely it. good. Good, good, good. God okay. damn. <sighs> Sorry, mom. Not mom. You taught me the cuss. Sorry, dad. Um, okay. What research? Are, are there any things that you... So when I read, mm-hmm. there are sometimes these certain lines where I'm like, oh, I know that person lived this. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, this morning, because I am still reading like an insane person. This morning I'm reading a book 
this guy has been wearing a Red Sox hat the whole book, and somebody said Yankees, and he said, don't say the Y word. We're in mixed company. And I was like, that person is from Boston. Mm -hmm. There's no chance they just came up with that. So, like, what research do you have to do to, like, involve yourself in these situations? Mm -hmm. Or do you just, like, are there certain settings that you're like, I need to know the vernacular or the jargon? Or do you just, like, say, it is fantastical fiction and you better get in on it? Um, I, I would say in broad strokes, I don't do a lot of research. Perfect. At least not before a story. Okay. I focus on the story, the characters, the plot, the themes, and I sort of skip or put in fill-ins for the details I don't know. Um, I feel like because I am such a... Forgot the word again. For a lo reading a lot. <laughs> by vicarious. No. Voracious. Voracious. Not vicarious. I'm not <laughs> reading through someone else. I know what vicarious means, but I cannot remember the word voracious. I'm a voracious reader. That's why. Uh, I beat you this year on book count. You did. Um, but I beat you on book count of books published. <laughs> I only have one in the bank. It's not even fair. And it's not, not even written. It's garbage. Too many commas. <laughs> Too many commas. So many commas. I'm a comma queen. I am. Um, I feel like I have a good like knowledge base that I pull from from when I'm writing. I think I I stop and look up for the little details because I think sometimes when you drop the perfect little detail, it adds a realness. But you don't need to add the perfect details for everything. You just have to do enough to make the reader believe you oh, um an example again to the mermaid story <gasps> when i was editing it again this is like a billionaire and his fiance and like in the early draft i have them their dinner that they're eating and it was like steak and baked potato with wine and i was like that does not sound like rich people food so i <laughs> where's looked, my caviar bitch so i looked up like fancier <laughs> things like right. it was like steak and mushroom bourrelets and cabernet sauvignon like i matched everything up i like looked that so that was a minute of research where i was like i knew play mignon but i was like what what is a fancy steak dish for rich people so doing something like that those little minutes those little moments to uh make it just make a it little real. Make, make it, it real. a little more real and not be like okay like those those occasional very specific details mm. can really help liven up the story so i don't think i research overall i think most of mine are set kind of in modern or completely sci-fi type of places so i kind of had you get to liberty make it up. i yeah. had liberty yeah that's cool um but i think i do look for those little details at times okay so tell us a little bit, the second last question, tell us a little bit about self-publishing. Like, you did this on Amazon. Other people can do this. Yes. It tell can me, be done. Tell me about that. Um, <laughs> one thing I'll say is that the Amazon platform makes it very easy for the author. Um, like, for... Both, I, it's an ebook and in paperback, and there's two different templates to fill out. But they have a Kindle Direct Publishing ebook template to fill out, and then they have templates for um, the paperback that are the different um, sizes of pages, depending on what how what size you want the book pages to be. 
that you can download and then fill out and it has formatting um it's just their 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 process is actually pretty easy i think for the user like most things with amazon it's easy for us maybe behind the scenes it's not easy for other people right um so i would say amazon that process is pretty um i'm taking pictures she's taking a picture so i'll be like the the process is pretty straightforward um and i'll say from some other people's other authors uh perspectives um, that I've read, it's not completely fully researched for things like ease and royalties. Amazon tends to be the better place or the, mm. one of the easier places for self-published and indie authors. So I would say if you are a person who boycotts or minimizes Amazon for various ethical reasons, maybe consider exceptions in the case of indie and self-published authors because they're not perfect, especially with like sometimes Kindle royalties. They mess with <laughs> authors sometimes, but uh, it is a venue that maybe is the most accessible for a lot of people. Yeah, so. I think that's interesting because I like I know that you can like books that are published by other publishing companies. You can request at your library. Mm-hmm. You can request at a local bookstore and they will have them sent. But it's like there are people who are solely self-publishing and it's like they're sending their little short stories to Amazon. It's like mm-hmm. the original magazine idea. Right. And they're right. all there for you to buy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I, people do think of them as the big giant. They are the Walmart of mm-hmm. online book sales. But at the same time, it is accessible for people who don't have availability or aren't ready to apply to like large-scale mm-hmm. publishing and honestly traditional publishing that's like a whole other conversation we could get into yeah, traditional oh publishing God. versus self-publishing i think the um you know like the was it an antitrust case i don't know if you're familiar with the recent um court case because it was i believe simon and schuster and then penguin random house which is already two publishing houses combined for trying to merge and it ended up getting blocked because they're like, mm-hmm. no, that's too much of a no- monopoly. But it ended up revealing a lot of their bookkeeping um, in the court case. And uh, it's not traditional publishing is not the miracle f- or the success story that necessarily is. I believe it was like 15, one five percent of traditionally published authors sell less than I can't remember. It was like less than 15 copies of their book. Ugh. I've yeah. already sold more than that. Right, so, exactly. And that was just friends and family. Like, those people didn't even have 15 friends and family buying their books. Right. Like, wow. That's so hard. Yeah, because they yeah. have to print them out ahead of time, and they have to, like, decide who's going to be what and this, that, and the yeah, other. Yeah, so it's like, that. It can self-publishing is less and less, oh, it's just vanity, oh, you weren't good enough, and more, I want to have control of my intellectual property, I want to have control of my... We're all Taylor Swifting it, honestly. Yeah, my intellectual property, my, my costs, my royalties, my whatever so it, it it is more and more of a might be the more viable venue for some authors yeah um other things with self-publishing it's it is a reliant thing it's not necessarily cost-free um i hired a book cover artist for pretty economical price um i didn't hire an editor i used my mom an english teacher or former english teacher who's pretty good but i think if i was publishing something longer in the future our from my experience trying to do it by myself, I would probably hire a professional um, proofreader, editor, line editor, whatever. Wow, Peg, did you hear that? 
Hmm? I'm just yell, t- telling mom. Yeah. Mom, come on. Yeah, but uh, be a professional line editor. What are you doing, what mom? What are you doing? Um, but yeah, that's just <laughs> we need you around here. That's it. It's it has its. You have to kind of put on many hats. You cannot just be a writer when you're self-publishing. Right. You are the marketer. You are the making the creative choices. Even if that's hiring a cover designer, you're still the one hiring them and giving them direction and giving them feedback. So you're the one making the timeline. It's mm. It's a lot of, you are kind of a sm- little bit of doing a small business in a way. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's maybe not a hundred percent easy, but it's not, not worth it. Yeah. How many negatives was that in a sentence? A double, I think. I it's think not, not do- worth it. It's not, not worth it. Let's do that. Let's keep going do- for it. Double negatives for the win. Okay. I do love a double negative. So last thing. Okay. Where can people find you? Where can they find? Because you do write a column where mm-hmm. people can learn how to write yes. and you give advice on writing mm-hmm. and you have a Twitter and you have an Instagram and you have a Facebook. So just tell everybody where okay. to find you and where to find the book so they can buy it because guys, it's literally five ninety nine. Like you're an asshole if you're not buying it. Yes. And that's the paperback. If you want to go ebook, ebook, it's even cheaper. Yeah. Ebook. If you want to just like on your computer, two ninety nine, you, you don't need honey. a copy two ninety nine. Come on, you can buy a pack of gum for that, and mm-hmm. you're going to get knowledge. You're okay. going to get years of my creative labor and my <laughs> angst. For two ninety nine. <laughs> okay, everybody. Um, but wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> I'm doing an infomercial. I know, I got it. Go All right, where can you find me? The book sold Amazon. Again, paper, paperback and ebook. Object Impermanence Object is the name. Impermanence. Um, Marjorie Bain, you'll hopefully see the spelling in the description of this episode honestly if you type my name into google with that spelling most of the results will be me because it's a surprisingly weird way to spell it and and it's just like not people people don't have that name currently Mm -hmm. i have an old-fashioned name in a modern time um i'm on i have a facebook business page but who's on facebook i have a twitter i mostly lurk but i do look regularly so if you want to find me there i'm like at i think it's the marjorie bain yeah. I think I couldn't get, I think I technically had the Marjorie Bain Twitter. Like I went to college and I got a Twitter and I was like, this is stupid. I'm just going to stick to Facebook. And then I could never figure out how to get back in years later. So yeah. I'm, I'm the Marjorie Bain mm-hmm. on Twitter. I am on Instagram, but mostly that's personal stuff. Yeah. I think, but uh, I think you have like an author page. Yeah. Or is that I just Facebook? occasionally put author things. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Follow me on Instagram. It's fine. It's not private. I don't Follow think. her story. You'll see Marjorie there. Um, and big thing that you talked about the big thing that you talked about is i do write a regular weekly column about writing in particular short stories but also fiction in general i write this column on the writing cooperative which is a publication on medium.com um i'm just at marjorie bain there as well mm-hmm. uh i've recently been writing a lot about my self-publishing process and things like titling a collection and how to write a book blurb which i could not really find a lot of good resources for for doing it for a collection so i'm just sharing some insights to the process so if anybody is out there that is writing or is like thinking about writing like this is a good place to follow because you'll get some advice mm-hmm. that's true mm. from a I was going to say from an expert, but let's, let's figure it out. <laughs> mm. You are an expert. You did it. I, from you, a published 
an award-winning author, Marjorie <laughs> Bain, comes this collection of weird and fantastic stories. Somebody call Oprah. Object and permanence. Here we are. Here we are. Perfect. I think okay. That's the end. Did we do it? I think we did it. I think we did it. Let's <laughs> cheers to that. <laughs>